definitely going to come back to like you living in Brazil and being a musician because that sounds really cool. But so first I'll just start with like, where are you from? Well, gosh, this is so nice. Um, I was born in a sort of exciting place in the United States. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. But not only that, I was born in a place called Coney Island. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Coney Island, have you? I've heard of like Coney Island, like, isn't there like a roller coaster place or something from like movies? Exactly. Right. So my apartment building was literally across the street from that huge um, wooden roller coaster called the Cyclone. And it's kind of an iconic place in the United States because it is a very old um, amusement park. There's also that gigantic um, Wonder Wheel, Ferris wheel, also quite iconic. And like my parents were also born in Brooklyn, not right at Coney Island, but they would go to Coney Island for, you know, entertainment like Adventureland. So I always like to explain that to people because it's kind of like a cool place to have been born. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you go to school in Coney Island? Yes, I went to kinder, I went to first, and sadly, we moved in the middle of second grade, which I still remember being sort of, you know, wounded by because like we moved in February of the school year. And, you know, being a little girl going into a new classroom with a whole new people, I still remember feeling very left out. And my mom back then, I mean, it's a long time ago, right? It's 50 years ago. It's a long time. Teachers were sort of like, they knew everything. And the teacher back then told my mother, she'll never catch up. And it was awful for my mom. But the good news, I totally caught up. <laughs> wow, okay. That's kind of dark of your teacher. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Where did you move to? Yeah, so then my parents got a teeny bit more money. Um, my father was a teacher. My mother was at home. She had three kids. Um, my father made like something like $300 a month, you know, <laughs> and they got a bit of money and they were able to borrow money from uh, my grandparents and they bought a house. Not so far, but completely different world. We moved to moved to the suburbs. So very much like Iowa City on, on a place called Long Island, which you might have heard of, close to Manhattan, close to Brooklyn, but a completely different life in a private home and not an apartment building. And it was like, you know, moving on up. Yeah. Wow. I always get Long Island and Long Beach confused, but they're on different sides of the country. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but just so you know, there is a Long Beach on Long Island also. Oh, <laughs> that's confusing. <laughs> Yeah, Long Island is, is you can look on a map, it's shaped like a fish, it really is. And it's like 300 miles long. The, the nose is Brooklyn. And then the tail is out, you might've heard of the Hamptons or Fire Island, that's out by the tail. 
I was I was in the middle. <laughs> when did you get interested in music? Oh, great question. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember being a little girl listening to records, but not just listening. I would like lay down the speaker, big speakers would be right here and I would really pay attention. Um, so, and I just, I kind of was born with a bit of talent and I, I honed it by listening. My mother found um, like this little um, keyboard in the garbage in Long Island. It's like you plugged it in and there were a few buttons that would have chords and I'd be very interested in the sound. And then I started picking out things on the piano, you know, just like ba 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 ba. And then my best friend at nine took guitar lessons. So after her lesson, I'd go over to her house and she taught me everything she learned with the teacher. So I just like really loved it right away. And my parents aren't musicians, but um, I, I got I got the gift. Did you like right after high school, did you like go and study music or did you just like jump right into like a career as a musician? Wow, these are really good. These are like the most important things in my life that you're asking about. <laughs> it's really good. Um, the story goes like this. I finished high school in Long Island and I was too nervous to study music even though by then I was quite good on my flute. I'm a flutist and I was really practicing and I was loving it and I was really good and I was, but I was too nervous. You know, my parents probably and society built, put in my consciousness and soul. You can't be a professional musician. You'll never make money. <laughs> you have to do something where you can have a career and make money. So I was, didn't go to college right away for music. I studied general education at a wonderful school in upstate New York, in Binghamton, New York, a, a, a state school like U Iowa. But right, but there at the college, I, I continued to take flute lessons there, and I played in the orchestra, and I played in a woodwind quintet. And the flute professor at this upstate, five hours away from Manhattan. He came from Manhattan every week to teach. And he said, you know, Karen, you're really good. I, you should transfer, you should study music. And by then I was 20 and I had a little more confidence. I knew a bit more about the world and how things worked and the lies that society told me. <laughs> and I did transfer to a wonderful music school only 40 minutes from Manhattan. And um, I went on to get a bachelor's of fine arts in flute performance, mm -hmm. undergraduate, yeah. That's pretty cool. It is, it is. Travel after college and like play? Yes, I, I did make my living as a professional musician after college by um, really the bulk of my work was teaching private flute. Um, so I had many private flute students. And the other thing I did to make a living, and it was really fun, was I remember I told you about my guitar playing. I 
went on to play like reasonably. I can play pretty well, pretty well, not nearly as good as the flute, but I made my living um, going to every morning I'd go to one different preschool in the area and I would give them a music program. And it was it was quite good money at the time. I was being paid like $35 for the hour. And this is like 40 years ago or something. So it was good money. And then once in a while, I would play a professional gig at a wedding or a cocktail hour. Um, and my very favorite gig, you'll love this, I was hired to play in a beautiful... Um, department store. I don't think if it's around anymore, it's called Bloomingdale's. I don't know. If it's, is it still a thing? Yeah. I think like in big cities, they have it. Yeah. It was a gorge. And I was put up on top of the cosmetics um, shelves and I played solo flute for hours and hours. And it was a really well-paying gig. <laughs> kind of sounds scary to have to stand on top of like shelving units yeah it was it wasn't too high you know if you ever go to a mall again just check out the the perfume and the makeup that you see there's like a little up in the middle where the the people are kind of in the counter (laughs) (laughs) okay um well I think we only have a few minutes left, but I just want to, I really want to know about Brazil. How did you end up in Brazil? Yeah. Um, In music school, in college, I fell in love with a Brazilian man. And we, that's a very long story, which I will not get into now, but we finally did marry when we were 30. And he had a fabulous job in Brazil and i moved to brazil at 30 years old with zero portuguese and began a marriage it was very challenging (laughs) but i did grow to learn and love and i speak portuguese and i made friends and i played music in brazil and i became an english teacher in brazil and it was a great part of my life after the initial challenge. Sounds, that sounds really scary to like move there, knowing you wouldn't be able to communicate very well. So scary. And I was so lonely. And my poor husband, he was the only person I knew. And I, you know, you can see that I communicate my face and my word. I talk a lot and it's like, oh boy, I'm deaf. I'm mute. I have no language, I have no culture, I have no friends, my family, my humor, it's all gone. It's not fun. And I wasn't young, I was 30. It was like, I was a grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think I probably should ask a COVID question. So I'll just ask this one. What have you learned about life because of COVID? Good question. I feel like I've learned a lot in these 11 months. Um, I learned how important hugging friends is and how important it is to have an inner resilience, an inner light that you can call on when things get really, really scary and sad. Um, 
I learned that being alone is really fabulous and I love it. <laughs> I learned so many things like by Zoom and, and webinars and I'm just kind of expanding a lot of um, knowledge but also wisdom because I'm doing some like kind of soul searching work as well. So it's been terrifying and awful and there's a lot of positives too. Do you hear the banging? Just it doesn't sound like banging. It's just more of like a cat yeah. knocking sound. It's not very bad. Okay, good. When COVID is over, do you want to go in? Do you want to travel anywhere? I've been thinking about that, and um, the answer is yes. I have my family, my sister, brother, parents. We got Florida, we have Denver, we have Amherst, Massachusetts. So they happen to be three amazing places to visit. So definitely back to them. Um, and I feel right now, cause I know that the effects of COVID and the dangers are not going to be over in two years or three. I'm not feeling big international pull right now. I'm feeling a lot of, national parks in our beautiful country and just spots in this country I haven't quite yet explored. So, but I feel like I'm, I'm more in this, like I want to get an Airbnb for, for two weeks and like live, you know, in seat near Seattle or something or in Asheville, North Carolina. So, but I'm not feeling like Paris again in Rome. You know? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for my generation? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry we messed it up for you. I hope, I hope, I hope we can turn things around with the environment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, advice? Don't take yourself that seriously all the time. Try to balance grief with lots of like praise mm -hmm. and it's okay to be desperately sad sometimes. I think that's when we're our most human, um, when we're most vulnerable and just in, in a dark place, that's okay. Like embrace the dark, but know how to get out of it. <laughs> I definitely feel like my generation, especially because of like social media and like what people feel like they have to be on social media. I feel like being sad or like complaining or like talking about the things you're not so happy with. It's just people are like, you don't really want to hear that. You know what I mean? So social media typically is portraying youngsters as like dancing and hanging and partying and happy and going for at Coachella and something like that. I yeah. see. I thought I thought it was a, a place also for um for dark. I'm depressed. I've got mental illness. Isn't it that too? Yeah. Um there's like definitely like different parts of social media you can find because like they're like insane like algorithms to give you like what they think you'll like. So usually like a pretty tunnel vision with what you get on social media. But yeah, there's definitely like sides where it's like there's there's accounts that are like, 
think happy. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to ha feel things and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, yeah, I can't begin to dream what it must be like. Cause the only thing I do is Facebook, but I only want, I just look at what people are doing. And I have no idea why someone shows up on my feed and when them why they don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so nice to, to be asked those questions and to be listened to. It's a really, really sweet gift. Of course. Mm -hmm. I have the benefit of feeling like I sort of know you a teeny bit, but um, if you if you were described by a really good friend, what would they? How would they describe you? Um. So if you were to ask probably like one of my two best friends in the world, they probably would tell you that I don't like to slow down. I like to keep going forward and taking breaks is not something I'm very good at. So I like to get a lot done. Um, they would usually say I'm pretty generous. I like to give a lot. Usually my parents say I give too much, so <laughs> that's fun. Um, uh, I think they would say I'm funny. I hope they would say I'm funny. I think I'm funny. Um, um, they'd probably say I would, I'm a good listener and then Hmm. I can also be stubborn sometimes, something, mm -hmm. especially like during discussions, maybe not with like my friends, but like people I don't really know that well, mm. like, especially if it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, it's kind of hard to see things from another person's point of view, which I know you have to, to have a good discussion, but still. Can you say something that you might come across as, you know, you're digging your heels or you're stubborn or you're standing your ground? What what are some issues maybe that might be? Um, well, like things like personally, like things I believe, like politics, I'm a pretty liberal person. Um, also, like things like abortion, like I like personally, I think people should have the right to choose. And I kind of, especially, like, I know that both genders should have a say in the talk about abortion, but sometimes I just get really mad when it's like somebody, like a male, especially my age, telling me how I should feel about things like that. And I'm just like, um, maybe not. Um, yes. And then other things, especially when I'm arguing with my siblings, that could be about anything. Um, <laughs> uh, you mean like? You have too much rice when I want more rice. Yeah, that stuff. Um, uh, usually just like me and my dad have a lot of good discussions, but also like we both don't like to be wrong in those discussions. And it can, that could be about anything, especially like stuff I learned in school. Like I remember a few months ago, we learned how like gas, I mean, not gas, cows emit a bunch of methane. So they're not very good for the environment. So I was arguing with him about that. And he was like, saying no that I was wrong and I was like no you're wrong and then it wasn't really an argument it was just both of us saying that the other one was wrong so were, were you more on the side that cows are not great for the environment yeah like we just learned that like the land that it takes to house a cow is like kind of wasteful and then because they have like two stomachs I think like the gas they produce while they're digesting is like four times that of a human so, 
Yeah. Or a gaseous animal. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you feel safe, I agree with you. I am liberal and I also agree with you on the abortion issue. So, yeah. so you don't have to worry that it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and And the methane issue as well. <laughs> um, how has COVID been for you with school? And what grade are you in? If you, um, oh, sorry, I'm a sophomore and yeah, a sophomore in high school at West. Um, I'm doing hybrid schooling. Uh, it's been kind of weird. Well, yeah, like if the cases get too high, then we go 100% online. And that's kind of weird, like the switching back and forth. But I guess that's what I signed up for when I decided I want to do hybrid instead of just 100% online all the time. Um, although one thing I do have to like about, I do have to say is a plus about hybrid is that like this, I get to have like two or three days of the week, just kind of free. And as somebody who likes to do a lot of things, yeah, I get time to, I don't know, like, and I get time to kind of do things for myself. And then I also get time to like really be able to like give max effort or give my full attention to everything that I do do in like my regular life or just practicing for stuff. Like I feel like my ability, I, I, I'm learning Spanish right now. And because I have free time, I'm able to practice with my sister who's also learning Spanish and I dance. So I'm able to like go to the studio during school hours and other people who have the same schedule as me who are there too. And we can just practice and it's nice. So nice. Um, what, what sort of dance and how long have you been doing dance? Um, I don't know how long I've been doing dance. I feel like I've just always danced. Um, mm -hmm. I dance at Nolte, which is like on the strip, like in Coralville. Um, it's like they offer all forms of dance. I take all forms of dance except for tap. I wish I tapped. It's so cool. I just, I just when I moved, when I moved to Nolte, I wasn't a tapper, and they're so good at tap there that like if I wanted to start, I mean I could start, but my pride would have been hurt. So I've been tapping with like six year olds. And I was like, oh, <laughs> year old <laughs> tapping with the six-year-olds. Maybe not, um, but oh, I wish I could tap. <laughs> so you do modern and um, jazz? Yeah, I do modern jazz, contempt, ballet. I'm on point. I'm not very good at point. Like you have levels for everything. And so like I'm level, so like, there's eight levels. I'm level eight for like regular ballet, like on flat. But on point, I'm like level five, so wow. I'm not very good at it. But when I was in college for music, my roommate that I loved, and we stayed roommates for three years, she was a ballerina. So she would show, she would be embarrassed, but she would show me her feet. Oh, and not in good shape. You you understand as a as yeah. a the mm -hmm. and the toes. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very, like, I like ballet a lot. Like, I take it, like, all the time. But if I were to pursue a career in dance, which I don't know if I want to, or, there's so many, I don't know what I want to do when I'm older, but I probably wouldn't be on point. 
do you tend to go when when we were able to go would you go to see dance gala and do you go to some of the events of dance at u iowa uh yeah like i think they have like one like at the beginning of every summer i think that might be like their spring showcase or summer or something i usually go to that they like mm -hmm. house that, I think that like space place theater yeah yeah, yeah. I go to there and then they also um whenever like the ui brings in like guest choreographers or workshops and stuff sometimes nolte's able to get them to come take a, give a class there so like when dance work chicago came mm. um we got to take a class um i got to take a class with like lloyd knight which was really cool um very famous in the dance world yeah he's like i think i think he's horton no, he's Martha Graham from New York. Yeah, he, he he's a ballerina, not ballerina. He's a modern dancer for uh, Martha Graham, I think. So that was cool. Dance is just so beautiful. Be, being a musician, yeah, I'm very, very into it as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I had all these other questions I'm trying to pick up on the cool things you're saying. Um. What's been a challenge? I mean, besides, oh, I do want to know, are you choosing to go full-time to school or are you going to stay home full-time? Because I know that's on the docket coming up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty hard decision, but like I'm in a few advanced like AP classes and my teachers, because of the AP content, what they're preparing you for is the college board test to see if you can get college credit for whatever subject you're studying. The college board isn't changing what's going to be on their test, like whether you're online or in person. So my teachers were like, you should probably choose in person because then you'll get five days of schooling instead of three days of schooling. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm going 100% in person, but I'm kind of worried because if they were to combine the A and B cohorts just from hybrid, then I would have like 30 kids in a class. But I've heard that there's a lot of people switching to 100% online, so I'm hoping that the classes are smaller, but I'm just worried. That makes perfect sense. And um, AP tends to have less students in a class, so perhaps it, you know, those classes will be mm -hmm. less than typical. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe a lot of people will stay online. Mm-hmm. And teachers are getting vaccinated this week. They're starting. It's exciting. I know. It's so exciting. So um, AP, which AP, like what, what is your, what are your subjects and what's AP and what do you like? Um, what I like is I like social, stu social studies and um, science. So I like learning about like the way things work why things work that way, like science stuff. Um, and then I like learning about culture, like having lived and having had parents who love to travel, so I get to travel. Um, like, like cultures are different and I like learning why, I like learning the history, I like learning, like, I don't know. I just, living in Iowa City is so great and everything, but Sometimes I feel like a lot of people just like, they like to stay in Iowa City. And I just, having lived other places, I just sometimes find it odd. I'm like, there's so many things you could see. And they're like, oh, I like it right here. And I'm like, but you could just, I don't know, travel? <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I like learning about other people. 
I also like learning about history. My AP class right now is a AP and US history, a push for short. Yes. And it's not a very easy history class. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the harder ones. So like I have to write essay tests and stuff, so. Do you think your A push class is teaching students the real history of our country now? And I'm speaking about race specifically. Um, my teacher, I think if my teacher were to follow curriculum exactly as it's like word for word, I don't think I will learn about that stuff. But the teacher I have is so amazing. She worked on Capitol Hill. And so she like knows lawmakers and stuff, but um, every unit she's able to connect it to women's rights and black history. And we learned about in the beginning of the year that like, like slavery um, in the United States, the only reason why it came here was really because like the elite whites were scared of having like too many indentured servants when they would leave servitude because they paid off their debt. They didn't want to have to give up land. So if they just had people who'd be in bondage for their entire life, they never had to worry about that, which is so awful. But oh. we learn about things like that. And we read books like Stamped is by, I think, um, an immigrant. Yeah. We read books like Stamped in her class and we read textbooks from like culture or like the oppressed side of like history. So I don't know. I think my teacher does an amazing job. So... Uh, it re that gives me great happiness inside my heart because um, it's important in schools that, you know, I'm really glad you have that teacher. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about China and Malaysia. My goodness. <laughs> um, China, I don't really remember too much. I remember the school I went to, like the school buses I rode on. Like they had, I rode on the banana bus, so it was yellow, but they had like, that's normal for the United States, but they had like all different colors of school buses. That's what I remember from China, because I only lived there for a little bit. We adopted my sister in China, so I of course remember like when they first brought her home and stuff. So I remember when they brought her home the next morning, I ran out and we lived next to a park and I ran to the park and I was just like screaming. I was like, come meet my sister. And then like I had all these people who I'd never met before just coming into my house and my parents weren't too happy, but I was so happy. <laughs> That's a great story. How old were you when your sister came? Um, I was like, I think I was like three and a half because wow. my sister was born like three, like two-ish years after me. But we didn't adopt her until she was probably like 10 months old or like we adopted her when she was born, but we didn't like get to have her until she was like 10 months old. So. Wow. So you were born in China? Uh, yeah, I was born in Shanghai. I was supposed to be born in Hong Kong at like a more Western advanced hospital, but I came over a month early, so. They didn't get to get there. <laughs> okay. Did everything go okay with you? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was just really small, but I mean, yeah, my mom, like she said that like she was in labor for like maybe three hours. Like she was in labor for like no time at all. And then 
and then I was here. <laughs> a little, a little small, yeah, but yeah. Okay, and then how'd you get over to Malaysia? What's the the trajectory? Um, so my dad used to work for Briggs and Stratton, and then he got moved to China to be like head of Asian affairs for Briggs and Stratton or something. So we lived there, and then he switched companies. And he worked for this company that made like air conditioning units. And so he got moved to Malaysia. They like, you know, the London Eye, um, they made the air conditioning units for like, the London Eye is the big um, Ferris wheel in like downtown London yes. that has, that's like so big that they have like pods that you stand in. Yes. He made the air conditioning units for those pods where his company did. So we got moved to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And then we lived there. And I remember going to a private school there that like taught in English and there was kids from everywhere. There was kids from like Brazil, Indonesia, Sweden, Egypt, like everywhere. And there was, it was so cool because like another weird thing was like when I was younger, like I was, I was white, but I was in, I was in communities that like being white was like odd or like not odd, but like not common. Yeah. And I was, I was a small white child with blue eyes and blonde hair. And so like, for example, when we were in China, people always asked to take photos with me and it was like odd. And for yeah. my parents, of course, I was younger, so I didn't think anything of it. Right. Wow. I think that experience was like pretty cool for me. Yes. And I still have friends. Like, well, I might wish still in contact with some people. Like I know some people who live in like Denmark and Australia and, and England and being able to talk to him. And like mm -hmm. somebody, one of my closest friends from over there lives in Ecuador. So we went and saw her like a few years ago. You're going to have a lot of nice travel experiences in a couple of years. Yeah. That's amazing. You were in Malaysia till six or seven, you said? Yeah. I moved back like at the end of, um, at the end of my kindergarten year. Okay. I so moved back here. So I started fresh, I'm not freshman, I started first grade here in, in Iowa City. Iowa City. Which school did you go to? Um, it's like a newer one. It's in like North Liberty. It's called Van Allen. It's after the scientist, James Van Allen. Uh, I went there for basically all of my um, elementary school except for my sixth grade year. And I went to Kate Wickham, which is like by Brown Deer Golf Course. That's kind of hard. That's sort of hard to move when you're 11 and 12. So yeah, when, I didn't want to. Oh, I bet you did. But, but my parents, but I was going to West High and not Liberty. And so all the kids that I was going to elementary school at the time were zoned to go to Liberty. I mean, they still are zoned to go to Liberty. But my parents thought it would be easier for me to make friends in sixth grade than it would be in seventh grade when I'm starting middle school. They probably right. They're right. But I was not happy about it in the at the time. But yeah. I made some good. I made great friends when I switched schools. So good. Ah, so fabulous. We must have a lot of memories from being five in Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember because I went to like an international private school. Like, of course, you're gonna meet kids who have parents who are very affluent. And I remember one time I went to like a birthday party, and that birthday party. I don't know if I'll ever go to a more extravagant party. Like, I remember, I remember that party so clearly, like, they decorated the outside of their house with, like, these big foam cutouts of, like, a castle. And they had, like, 
necklace making stations and everyone was dressed up and it was just like I felt like royalty it was wow <laughs> that's some expendable income huh yeah I was just so shocked and I don't know also living there like it's not the safest country in the world to live in so I just remember we spent a whole lot of time at like the house we lived at and I had two cats and I loved cats and I'd go outside and I'd play with them and um, <laughs> me and my siblings were all super close I mean we still are and we would just run around the house and play it was so fun how many sibs do you have uh, I have an older brother who's a sophomore at Iowa and then I have a sister who's an eighth grader okay so you're a middle Yes, I am the middle child. <laughs> rebel. Yes, <laughs> <a> rebel. <laughs> okay. Do I have time for more? Little co a little COVID question. Let's get some more COVID. Um, I don't know. I guess I would say, what are you? What did you learn in COVID, and what do you hope to bring? when things are sort of in a new phase and it, we feel a bit less nervous and we can be in a new phase of life vaccinated, let's say. I would say with like COVID and just like everything that happened over the summer, like I learned just kind of how much of a bubble I was in, especially like not wanting to look outside to the, what's happening around me and things. And so I feel like a lot of people my age, especially, we just kind of learned that we can't really live our lives just thinking about us. Like there are people mm. who like, just because I might not be the one who's gonna like sadly pass away from COVID doesn't mean that somebody I really love and care about won't. So you just kind of, you kind of have to start remembering that like we're a nation of different people who all have different struggles and just because you don't share the same struggles as somebody else doesn't mean that they're any less valid. And so I just think learning things like that over COVID has like really taught me a lot. And just realizing that just because I'm a kid doesn't mean that I can't, I can, I can ignore what's going on, especially in like government and stuff, because eventually I'm gonna be a person making decisions, influencing how everything works. And even though I might be one vote, I want my vote to count or voice what I exactly what I want. So I just think becoming responsible was something that a lot of people I know, and especially me experienced, especially because like, I also I dance. And so when I wasn't able to go to the studio, remembering that I would have to like practice technique by myself in my basement, just mm -hmm. like every day or, or just like dancing outside or just dancing with my sister, just like I don't know. I also run track running by myself, even though it's not very fun. Just, <laughs> I don't know. And then especially like, I learned that just because somebody doesn't like reach out to you, like mm -hmm. a contact, like doesn't mean that you can't reach out to them. Like you don't know what they're going through. Like and stuff like that. Yeah. Communication is a two way street. So I had to learn to remember that I have to do my end because I can't just be like, oh, well, they didn't reach out to me. So not my fault. It, yeah. Right. 
maybe go high if they've gone low and also cutting people a lot of slack this year i mean i think the the sadness and the heaviness has has changed all people all ages teenagers people in their 50s and just like i'm much more gentle with my friends and families like oh you did that okay <laughs> you know just like, that, you know kind of took a chill i just i chilled and yeah, I agree with everything you said, too. Beautifully said, Paige. Thanks. Yeah. Love.